Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. I am Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And today I'd like to talk to you about the resurrection. The resurrection of the Lord is one of the most basic, vital facts upon which the gospel of Christ is founded. No other world religion makes the claim that its founder rose from the dead and none can. The apostles of the Lord, told by him to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, made the resurrection a central theme of almost every recorded sermon. All four of the gospels emphasize it, and the risen Lord is the subject of the opening chapter of the book of Acts. Jesus was crucified during the Passover festival of the Jews. He was crucified on a Friday. Fifty days after the Sabbath of the Passover week, on the Jewish feast day of Pentecost, on a Sunday that we can read about in Acts chapter 2, Peter preached the first gospel sermon complete with the terms of admission into the kingdom, the church. Obviously, the Gospels indicate to us that Jesus had been a well-known figure in Jerusalem, indeed throughout all of Palestine, and only seven weeks before he had been put to death. These events were unquestionably still prominent in the minds of many of the people, and now, because of the feast day, Jews out of every nation would be present in the city. Let's note together the emphasis of Peter's sermon. In Acts chapter 2, we'll read verses 22 through 36. Listen to what Peter said. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man, delivered up by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. And God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. For David says of him, I was always beholding the Lord in my presence, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue exalted. Moreover, my flesh also will abide in hope, because thou wilt not abandon my soul to Hades, nor allow thy Holy One to undergo decay. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou wilt make me full of gladness with thy presence. Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. And so... Because he was a prophet, and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants upon his throne, 
He looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies a footstool for thy feet. Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom ye crucified. As we can all well imagine, this preaching was opposed by the Jewish leaders in the city of Jerusalem. They had Peter and John arrested and threatened with death. However, note their response as they stood before the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the very cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. The Apostle Paul preached the resurrection to the Greeks in the city of Athens in Acts chapter 17, verses 30 and 31. And in writing to the church in Corinth, he pointed out three great truths of the gospel. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, where he wrote these words. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Now to sort of summarize the significance of this great truth, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 7 where we'll look at verse 25. The Hebrew writer wrote, Hence also he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. He always lives. My friends, we could spend days talking about the meaning of that statement. He always lives. But for time's sake, we will mention just a few of the marvelous blessings that are ours because of that truth, because Jesus always lives. He always lives to save the lost. Jesus came into this world to save sinners. I don't know how the Lord could have put that truth in a clearer fashion than he did in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10 when he said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The death on the cross was for the purpose of saving lost sinners by the cleansing power of his blood. This is the truth that Paul preached. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18, he wrote of the reaction of some 
For the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. The idea that a man who had died could save anyone was ridiculous to them, and truth be told it would be. However, the Lord Jesus Christ is not dead. Yes, he died on the cross. Yes, he was buried, but he rose from the dead. He always lives. When Jesus sent the apostles into all the world, he told them to preach the gospel to all creation. The reason for that is that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. But Jesus, the living Christ, makes it so. Again, we refer to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Hence also he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. There is the key to it. Jesus is able to save because he is alive, because he always lives. Jesus always lives to intercede for us. Again, notice from Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, as it ends, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Over and over again in the book of Hebrews, Jesus is referred to as our high priest. Consider just a few such instances. In Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1, we read, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. In chapter 4, verses 14 and 15, we find, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. In chapter 10, verses 21 and 22, we are told about our Lord, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now Hebrews chapter 9 addresses the chief duties of the high priest under the old law. Excuse me. They were to offer sacrifices for the sins of the people and for themselves, thus interceding to God for them. But concerning Jesus, Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 and 12 tells us, But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. So just think about that. Jesus is at once the sacrifice which is offered and the high priest who offers it. What better mediator could we possibly have? You know, my friends, in spite of our very best efforts, there are times when we fail, when we fall short of what the Lord would have us to be and have us to do. Consider 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through chapter 2 and verse 1, which tells us, If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. 
my little children, I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. We have an advocate at the throne of God to plead our case for us. Only a living Christ could be that advocate. I find that so comforting, especially when it is combined with Hebrews chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, where we are told the following. Therefore he had to be made like his brethren in all things, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in all things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. When the trials of life come to us, as they inevitably will, he cares. When troubles beset us, he cares. When pain comes, he cares. When we are tempted, he cares. He went through what we are going through. While it may not always seem this way, he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, that you may be able to endure it. This is our high priest, Jesus. He always lives to protect us and to make intercession for us. And finally, he always lives to help and to strengthen us. After his resurrection, Jesus told his apostles to preach among all the nations. Then he gave this wonderful promise, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Wherever we go, he is with us. Whatever trouble comes, his promise is, I will never desert you, nor will ever forsake you. That's Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. I'd like us to consider in Ephesians chapter 3, looking at a portion of Paul's prayer for his beloved brethren. He wrote in verses 16 through 19, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to the fullness of God. Moving over to chapter 6 and verse 10, we find, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. If I had to rely only upon my own strength, I would fail. But Jesus always lives to strengthen me. Do you remember, and this hits so close to home in more ways than one, that Paul had a thorn in the flesh, whatever it was, given him by Satan in order that he would not exalt himself? Well, look at me, with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8-10. through 10. Paul wrote these words, Concerning this I entreated the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, 
that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. As long as Paul depended upon his own strength, he suffered and was weakened. But in his dependence upon the always living Christ, he found all the strength that he needed. So can we. As Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why? Because he always lives. His presence, his strength, and his constant help is promised to us when we live for him. What beautiful words and what a marvelous thought. Think on these things.